I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report direct message for today, July 20th, 2021. Uh, do me a favor, subscribe to our YouTube channel, tap the notification bell, share our videos, and all that good stuff. Only three stories for you today. We're mixing it up a little of everything. Uh, first off, there is this incredible, really incredible compilation video of Democrats over the past couple years complaining about uh, voter hacking and voting machines not working and election integrity problems and all that sort of stuff. Of course, it's all pre this election. Now we're not allowed to talk about that. There is a good chance I will be booted off YouTube or at least get a strike for doing this video today. If so, please join us at rubenreport.locals.com because we are gonna show you this compilation video. These are all public officials making statements of their own volition, so uh, YouTube, uh, gods that are watching this right now, please don't shut us down. These are Democrats saying these things. I know these are things you were allowed to say before this election. You're not allowed to say anymore. We're just gonna play them and let their words stand on their own. Uh, part two, this is breaking right now. There is a hearing in Washington, D.C., a more wretched hive of scum and villainy you will not find. Uh, but Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky, who obviously is uh, one of the few politicians that I think is a pretty decent guy, son of uh, Ron Paul, of course, and really the, the only, I would say, true libertarian senator, I would say, uh, Ted Cruz is kind of close, but Rand Paul, I would say, is probably mostly in line with the types of views that I espouse on this show. He really got into it with Dr. Anthony Fauci today, the infallible Fauci, uh, over this gain-of-function research that was happening in the Wuhan lab. I'm going to explain what gain-of-function is. We're going to show you about a three-minute clip of them going back and forth, basically calling each other liars, and I'll try to unpack it in a sensible way. I think it's important to show you this three-minute clip because we need some context here, because basically Rand Paul is saying that we, through grants, funded the research at Wuhan lab, which then used gain-of-function research, which basically takes uh, animal disease and, and uh, manipulates it, in essence, so that it can be uh, spread to humans, uh, and that we sort of funded this whole thing and that Fauci has something to do with that. You'll see how Fauci kind of bounces around and sort of, you'll see his very technical bureaucratic way of speaking, uh, but he doesn't completely deny the gain of function thing, which is sort of interesting because he was pretty much denying it a few weeks ago. Uh, and then finally, we're gonna talk a little bit about Cuba and socialism, and of course that will involve AOC and the 1619 Project and everything else, which it's sort of nice what's happening right now. The Democrats are doing exactly what I said they would do. I mean, I started saying this a couple of years ago when, when Bernie and the crew, when they were saying they're democratic socialists, right? We're democrat socialists. And I kept saying to everybody, well, they're gonna drop Democrats soon enough. And isn't it interesting, you don't hear them say it anymore, right? They say they're progressives, but they don't really say they're Democrats, and they don't really say that they're full socialists, but that's, it's pretty much coming, and we've got some audio and some tweets to prove it. Guys, before I get to any of that, I wanna to talk to you about Bonner Private Wine. I've got some mile back right here. Here's a tip for you. Next time you grill up a couple of steaks, 
pop open a bottle of extreme altitude Malbec wine. It comes from these remote vineyards in Argentina located up at around 9,000 feet. When these vintners aren't making wine, they're herding cattle so they know meat, they know barbecue, and that's what these Malbecs are for. As soon as you open the bottle, you're gonna experience delicious notes of blackberry, leather, smoke, and a little dark cherry. You're also getting less sugar, less chemicals, and additives, and 10 times more resveratrol, which is a powerful longevity booster. We're actually busting out a uh, ribeye tonight. I will be putting pictures at uh, rubenreport.locals.com, and I will be drinking some extreme Malbec wine. The guys over at freethinkerwine.com just got a special shipment of these wines in. They've got one Malbec from the third highest vineyard in the world at almost 9,000 feet. Visit freethinkerwine.com today and you'll get 50% off the wine and 50% off shipping. This is a small batch and it's gonna go fast. Just visit freethinkerwine.com. That's freethinkerwine.com. And now back to me. All right, let's just get right into the stories. So first, this incredible compilation video has been making its way around the Twitter and I hope that you good people are trying to stay sane through all this madness and you're not spending too much time on Twitter so we thought we'd show it to you. We got a whole bunch of Democrats circa 2018 basically saying everything about voter fraud and voter machines and error and manipulation and everything else Pretty much everything that Mike Lindell, the pillow guy, you know, Mr. Pillow, he's always hugging a pillow, loves Donald Trump. Pretty much everything he's been saying about this past election, well, that's pretty much what they were all saying when it came to talking about what might have happened in 2016 and what they're gonna have to do going forward. Take a look-see. I continue to think that our voting machines are too vulnerable. For researchers have repeatedly de demonstrated that ballot recording machines and other voting systems are susceptible to tempering. Even hackers with limited prior knowledge, tools, and resources are able to breach voting machines in a matter of minutes. In 2018, electronic voting machines in Georgia and Texas deleted votes for certain candidates or switched votes from one candidate to another. The biggest seller of voting machines is doing something that violates Cybersecurity 101, directing that you install remote access software, which would make a machine like that, you know, a magnet for fraudsters and hackers. These voting machines can be hacked quite easily. You could easily hack into them. It makes it seem like all these states are doing different things, but in fact, three companies are controlling this. It is the individual voting machines that some pose, that pose some of the greatest risk. There are a lot of states that are dealing with antiquated machines right, which are vulnerable to being hacked. Workers were able to easily hack into an electronic voting machine. It was possible to switch votes. 43% of American voters use voting machines that researchers have found have serious security flaws including back doors. We know how vulnerable now our systems were. We know, I know the hackathon that took place last year where virtually every machine was broken into fairly quickly. I actually held a demonstration for my colleagues here at the Capitol um, where we brought in um, folks who, before our eyes, hacked election machines, um, those that are not, those that are being used in many states. Aging systems also frequently rely on unsupported software like Windows XP in 2000, which may not receive regular security patches and are thus more vulnerable to the latest methods of cyber attack. In a close presidential election, they just need to hack one swing state, or maybe one or two, or maybe just a few counties in one swing state. I'm very concerned that you could have a hack that finally went through. Oh, mama mia. All right, so just to be clear, if you were to say 
any of the things that all of those Democrats, and those are not random Democrats, right? Like this video is not of just like Democrats you ain't never heard of. This, this video is of Ted Lieu. This video is Amy Klobuchar. This video is Kamala Harris. Like these are mainstream Democrats, okay? People that are, they're good people. They're better people than we are, right? Because I know you're a right-wing maniac just like I am. Uh, if you were to say any of the things that they were saying back in 2018 or basically before the 2020 election, if I was to say any of those things right now related to the 2020 election, my channel would be deleted. Like we'd get a strike, we'd get a second strike and strike, and we'd just be blown away. But not only that, if you were to say any of those things in your circles, in your social circles, I wonder what your friends would say. They would say you're a conspiracy theorist, you've been watching too much Alex Jones or something like that. And that's why this is all deeply dangerous. The very same things that people were saying over the last couple months, like, oh, could things have been hacked into? Maybe you wouldn't need widespread fraud. You'd just need it in select places, which is what Ted Lieu said there. Uh, that you'd be able to switch votes, that that could be done. There are back doors to get into the voting machines. They can be easily hacked. That was Ted Lieu and Amy Klobuchar said that. We have aging systems. Uh, Kamala, they're vulnerable to a attack. She even had a bunch of people in a room and they had hackers do it right in front of them. Anyway, I'm not saying that this last election was hacked. I'm just saying we should be allowed to talk about all of these things. And when Democrats are on the outs, meaning we have a Republican administration, we had Orange Man for those four years, they were allowed to say everything they wanted to say to make it seem like either the, eject, the election was illegitimate or if he was to be reelected, that that election would be Ill illegitimate or hacked or whatever you wanna call it. Uh, now, if we're to say anything, you, you would be kicked out of your country club and potentially kicked out of YouTube. So do with that what you will. I just thought it was important to play. It's like, there's there's something there. Like, so I just wanna know, like, have you guys fixed all that stuff? Cause I know that there's a bunch of Republican bills in a bunch of uh, states right now that are trying to fix some of these vulnerabilities. Uh, as you guys know, we talked about the Texas bill last week and they want things like paper trails so that if a machine was hacked, there would actually, it wouldn't all be digital, there would actually be paper, literally a paper trail is what it's called. There would be a, a long readout, like an actual paper receipt of what happened, but they don't seem to want that. And they don't seem to want cameras in the rooms where people will be doing the double counting. And they don't seem to want signature verification to confirm that the person who voted is actually who they say they are. So, you know, call me a crazy nutbag conspiracy theorist but do these people want free and fair elections or do they just want to win elections? Which one do you think it is? And as I try to say in all of these things, that doesn't make the Republicans perfect or great or right, but they're better than those people. And I'm not a uh, Republican pollster or on the dole of the Republicans, but if you want to slogan Republicans, if the Republican leadership, if you're watching this show, all you need to do, Republicans, 2024, we're not those guys. And that's what would be the winning ticket. Like these people are all crazy. They're all crazy because they say things and then when they get the power that they have, they reverse everything that they're saying. So actually, perfect segue into the next, uh, the next story. So uh, Senator Rand Paul got into a massive blowout with Dr. Fauci over COVID 
this morning. So this has just happened in the last hour or so. Uh, we're gonna show you about a three minute clip here. And originally when I pulled the clip, I wanted to maybe cut it a little bit. Uh, you'll see a flash or two in there. But basically I wanted to give you guys three minutes of really listen to what the debate is really listen. Like I know it's a little bit technical and I'll, I'll give you the full definition of what gain of function is after, but really listen to what Rand Paul is accusing Dr. Fauci of and then listen to what Dr. Fauci says in a response. It's quite extraordinary and I would just paint one other thing. I don't, I don't wanna color your uh, impression of this too much, but especially towards the end, listen to how Rand Paul is using a lot of bureaucratic language instead of giving just a clear answer. Did we fund gain of function? Uh, list, you know, just listen to how Fauci is sort of obfuscating what the answer might be. All right, take a look. Dr. Fauci, as you are aware, it is a crime to lie to Congress. Section 1001 of the U.S. Criminal Code creates a felony and a five-year penalty for lying to Congress. On your last trip to our committee on May 11th, you stated that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And yet, gain-of-function research was done entirely in the Wuhan Institute by Dr. Xi and was funded by the NIH. In this paper, Dr. Xi credits the NIH and lists the actual number of the grant that she was given by the NIH. In this paper, she took two bat coronavirus genes, spike genes, and combined them with a SARS-related backbone to create new viruses that are not found in nature. These lab-created viruses were then to shown to replicate in humans. These experiments combine genetic information from different coronaviruses that infect animals, but not humans, to create novel artificial viruses able to infect human cells. Viruses that in nature only infect animals were manipulated in the Wuhan lab to gain the function of infecting humans. This research fits the definition of the research that the NIH said was subject to the pause in 2014 to 2017, a pause in funding on gain of function. The Wuhan lab used NIH funding to construct novel chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses able to infect human cells and laboratory animals. This is high-risk research that creates new potential pandemic pathogens potential pandemic pathogens that exist only in the lab, not in nature. This research matches, these are Dr. Ebright's words, this research matches, indeed epitomizes, the definition of gain-of-function research done entirely in Wuhan, for which there was supposed to be a federal pause. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain-of-function. So what was, let me take, finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its transmissibility to humans. Right. You're saying that's not gain of function? Yeah, that is correct. And, and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that officially. You do not know what you are talking about. Let's okay, you get NIH. one person. Let's read from the NIH. Can I answer the question? Of function. Is that the, the, the grant 
that was funded as a subaward from EcoHealth to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2. That's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a minute. It didn't I come from the lab, but you, all the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab. You, and there will be responsibility for those who funded the right. lab, including yourself. I totally This committee resent, will allow the witness to respond. I totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Senator, because if you look at the viruses that were used in the experiments that were given in the annual reports that were published in the literature, it is molecularly impossible. No one's saying those it, viruses it is, caused it. It no is, one is molecularly. That those viruses caused the pandemic. What we're alleging is that gain of function research was going on in that lab and NIH funded it. That you is can't not. Get away from it. It meets your definition and you are obfuscating the truth. Okay, so I hope you guys understand why I showed you the full clip there, because you can sort of see Fauci at the end trying to, well, we funded this and the paper that did this, that, the other thing. He's giving you a lot of bureaucratic stuff there. So previously, he had actually said that the NIH, the National Institute of Health, never funded gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab. Rand Paul is now saying that is exactly what you did and we have evidence of it. So I can't sit here and tell you that I know which the truth is on that. Fauci's saying, well, Fauci's not exactly saying they didn't do it anymore, right? He's just saying the funding may have went to something else that was like sort of ancillarily involved, but not exactly. So let's just pause on that for a second. Just Let's just be clear about one thing. Rand Paul's making a very specific accusation. The NIH funded gain of function research in the Wuhan lab. That's the accusation. Fauci, last time he was under oath, and that's why Rand Paul worded it the way he did, last time he was under oath said that's absolutely untrue. This time he didn't quite exactly say that. But I thought I'd give you guys a clean definition of what gain of function is. Rand Paul explained it, I thought, quite well, but I thought if I could just give you the cleanest possible explanation, because this is all technical stuff. I'm not an expert in this. I know you're not an expert in this, but we need to know, we need to know like some basics about this, right? So when you have a conversation with friends and family and they're talking about uh, all of this stuff and lab leaks and everything else that you have some ability to communicate some of this stuff. So gain of function research involves experimentation that aims or is expected to and or perhaps actually does increase the transmissibility and or virulence of pathogens. Such research, when conducted by responsible scientists, usually aims to improve understanding of disease-causing agents, their interactions with human hosts, and or their potential to cause pandemics. Despite these important potential benefits, uh, benefits gain-of-function research can pose risks regarding biosecurity and biosafety. So basically they meddle with these uh, viruses and then the argument that Rand Paul is making is then it can basically jump to humans. And then if that then leaks out of the lab, we have a problem. So on the technical part of this, right, like just the legal part, if Fauci lied under oath that the NIH was actually funding gain of function research at the Wuhan lab, well then Fauci's in some trouble. So he never fully denied it there, and I think that that is pretty interesting. He's saying, oh, the thing that we funded through the grant that went to the thing, and the, it's like, that's just what perfect bureaucratic answers are, right? Like there's always some 80, you know, 87 layers from the truth. Um, I think the bigger issue right now basically is 
Like, how do we figure out who to trust? And how is it, I mean, that's what I was thinking when I was like, all right, we gotta cover this, right? Because this is a massive blowout between a senator who I think is a decent guy, Fauci, who I, I don't think Fauci's a horrible human being. I think he's probably in over his head. I think he's made a lot of mistakes along the way. I don't think this was an easy job. He is the highest paid person in the federal government and everything else. But again, we're in that information war where it's, some people are just gonna be like, all right, I believe Fauci. Some people are like, all right, I believe Rand Paul. But the simple truth here is if he lied under oath, he's in a lot of trouble. And we should know, right? Like regardless of what you think about COVID at this point, regardless of what you think about vaccines and everything else, we should know if it was our own uh, NIH that was funding this stuff, right? And then how did it get out? And did he know about it and everything else? And should we be funding that sort of research? As the definition that I just read describes, there are some benefits to it because we can figure out how diseases work and how they jump from species and all of these things. Again, I'm not an expert in this and I'm not pretending to be anything other than I am, but there's obviously some benefits to gain of function research. But if then it can create pathogens that are jumping to humans and then there aren't perfect systems to keep them in the lab and they can leak out and cause like a, I don't know, two year shutdown of the world, uh, then we got problems on our hand. Uh, if you wanna know more about Rand Paul's feelings about Fauci, about whether the government was involved in this and everything else, uh, check out my interview with Rand Paul back in March, which why don't we link to that in the description? We are a professional outfit over here. I think we can do that. And uh, you know, make some decisions for yourself, but I, it's like, I don't even know exactly what to think of that segment. You know, I can usually give you a pretty, a pretty clear opinion on what I think about things. And I'm guessing that you watching this right now are feeling something very similar. It's like, you know, Fauci got very indignant. I'm, I'm very offended, basically. I'm very offended by what you're accusing me of. Well, that, that doesn't mean you didn't do it. That just means you're offended by it. Um, but also, Rand Paul was very clear in what he did. Do you want to retract it now? And, and he said no, so we shall see, we shall see. Uh, speaking of COVID, um, okay, we know that the Delta variant is spreading, okay? I think you guys all know my feelings on COVID at this point. Actually, what you know more clearly than my feelings on COVID, well, first off, I believe that COVID exists. I think I probably had COVID a couple weeks ago. I know plenty of people that had COVID and recovered from COVID. I know that a certain amount of people over the age of 80 with all the comorbidities and everything else die. I also know that because of lockdowns and masks, that rates of depression are up, that rates of suicide are up, that rates of alcoholism are up and drug use and all of these things that we've destroyed lives. And that for the most of us, and most of you watching this, your lives were far more negatively affected by government lockdowns and other mandates and orders by centralized power and by governments than they were by COVID itself. And even if COVID was killing half the population, at what point is it no longer the government's right to tell you you have to stay in your house, but it is your right as a, as a free individual on, on the planet Earth to live as you see fit and knowing that there is some risk in the world, right? Like we all know that there is some risk. Well, in any event, a lot of people got vaccinated. A lot of people have not got vaccinated. Now they're telling us that if you're vaccinated, it's not as perfect as they thought. You may need a, every six month booster shot. And now they're also saying that if you get the Delta variant, that you can, can still get COVID, but perhaps it will be slightly less sick. 
I would love to find some more numbers on this. Like there, everyone's screaming about the Delta variant right now. Is it affecting younger people, people under 80? Are the death rates much higher, et cetera, et cetera? Well, Australia, I'm gonna show you two videos here from Australia because Australia seems to be going into Canadian-like draconian measures, like really, really crazy stuff. So first, here is a Australian public health expert. And if you wanna see what fear-mongering is, like true government-issued fear-mongering, take a look at this. Whilst it is in human nature to engage in conversation with others, to be friendly, um, unfortunately, this is not the time to do that. So even if you run into your next door neighbour in the shopping centre, in the Coles, whilst you're at Coles or Woolworths or Aldi or any other um, grocery shop, don't start up a conversation. Now is the time for minimising your interactions with others. Even if you've got a mask, do not think that affords total protection. We want to be absolutely sure that as we go about our daily lives, we do not come into contact with anyone else that would pose a risk. As you go about your daily life, you don't want to come in contact with anyone else that would cause a risk. You know, every moment of everyone's life, they're doing just that. You meet somebody on the street, they might punch you in the face. You walk outside, a dog might bite you, you might get hit by a car, you might get struck by lightning, the world might explode, anything can be possible. There is some seriously evil Orwellian language right there. Do not engage human beings or engage in conversations. Do not engage in conversations. Why would the government not want people to engage in conversations? Why would they want us to not talk to each other at supermarkets, as she said, and just limit that all to online conversation? You think there might be a reason for that? Perhaps they could manipulate that conversation a bit more? Am I being a complete conspiracy theorist here? I mean, that is scary, scary stuff. This is also, you know, we played a video a couple days ago um, who was the woman? I think it was a woman in New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken, saying that we are the exclusive source for truth. It was a health minister in New Zealand. We are the exclusive source for truth, the number one source for truth. Man, I mean, this is, this is 1984, this is Hunger Games, this is every dystopian movie you've ever seen. Well now, check out this video. This is an Australian news channel talking about new lockdowns that are coming, and look at the numbers. Look at the numbers, she's gonna put them out, you can listen to her, and she's gonna put them on the screen, and I think you'll see what I'm about to talk about. Good evening, within hours, Sydney will be in the grip of much tougher restrictions. The Premier clamping down on the stubborn Delta outbreak with what she's calling a no regrets policy. And this is why. From a record 82,000 tests, the state today recorded 111 cases, and tragically, the third COVID death in this outbreak, a man aged in his 80s from the city's southeast. Across Greater Sydney, retail shops will now close. A small list of essential stores can remain open. Construction sites across the city shut down. And from midnight tonight, 110 suburbs across Liverpool, Fairfield and Canterbury-Bankstown will be sealed shut. That's 900,000 residents who can't leave their area, even for work. Am I, do you tune into this show to go, what does that conspiracy theorist Dave Rubin think? That, that guy, he's really gone off the rails. He's quite an alarmist and he's making people crazy, and none of the stuff that he says makes any sense. I, I hope that's not why you're here. Um, but if you watch that, and you don't think something is extremely wrong, 
Um, I, I don't know what to make of you. 900,000 people basically locked in their house. Okay, so that's one thing. Did you catch the numbers there? In Sydney, and by the way, I was in Sydney two years ago. It was one of the best days of my life, truly. It was the last show that I did with Jordan Peterson. We did the Sydney Opera House, which is that iconic building. If, you, if you've never seen the Sydney Opera House, go Google it when I'm done with this. It is one of the most gorgeous theaters on the planet, right out there on the harbor, on the, on the long boardwalk. The theater, I didn't even know until we got there, was a theater, not in the round where you're in a circle, but in a square, basically. So you have audience on every side of you, behind you, in front of you, on the sides. It was an unbelievable show. It was our only matinee show of the day. Jordan and I, it was a beautiful day. We walked down the, the pier there and hundreds of people were, were coming up to us, mostly coming up to him. And it was just such a wonderful, wonderful day. I did that show and then, uh, and then I had a family engagement. That was the last show that I did with Jordan. Sydney was just wonderful. Australia was wonderful. I love the people in Australia because they have, because they remind, this is what I would tell them on stage. You guys remind me of Americans, but you're like more fun. You're more politically incorrect. You know, they're, they're Crocodile Dundee, Falsters, Australian for beer. You know, like, like there's just like a, a zest for life there that seems to be being squelched by these people. So those numbers that she just referenced in Sydney, these are just absolutely incredible. There were 82,000 tests in Sydney, 82,000 tests. 111 came back positive, 82,000 tests, 111 came back positive. One person died and he's in his 80s and now Sydney is going into complete lockdown due to, as they said, the premier's uh, policy, which is the no regrets policy. Um, there might be some regrets that we're gonna continue to ruin people's lives and we're gonna continue to break down the very fabric of society and make sure that people don't talk to each other, don't stop and talk to each other and share information with other citizens. What are you, some sort of crazed lunatic? This is crazy stuff. I mean, I, I, look, I need some more context about what's happening in Australia. I know I have a big viewership in Australia. Guys, let me know in the comment section, like what in the world is going on there? 82,000 tests, 100 comeback positive, one guy dies, he's in his 80s and you shut down a city. One of the most spectacular cities on, on this planet. Someone explain that to me, like just craziness. We're seeing this craziness in Australia, we're seeing this craziness in Canada. We're seeing some version of this craziness come back here in California, Los Angeles with the mask mandates. By the way, for the record, last night I went to a restaurant. It was David's birthday. I took David and his mom out for dinner and I walked in without a mask. They came in without a mask. It was fairly obvious that the people at the restaurant were not thrilled with us, but actually nobody said anything and we sat down and we had a perfectly fine dinner. So I know I'm a, I'm a real rebel. I'm a rebel. All right, let's talk about socialism because that perhaps is what this is all about, that we are just watching governments worldwide centralize power. They are centralizing power against their free individual citizens. That seems to me to be what the result of the virus of COVID has done, that that's the virus I'm really worried about. I'm not worried that much about the virus that can get people sick, and of course it can. I am much more worried about the virus of socialism and Marxism and communism that has, is going to have this elite class over 
ruling over everybody else. Well, you guys all know Nicole Hannah-Jones. She is the creator of the 1619 Project, which was the New York Times backed project where in essence the argument of the 1619 project is that the founding of America is not really the values of 1776 and individual rights and freedom and the, and the constitution, et cetera, et cetera. It really is that the founding of the project was 1619, that slavery and racism are the driving forces behind the history of America. Now, ironically, uh, this was done as uh, what, was, what we were told was a piece of historical fact and actual journalism. Uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones has had to retract a bunch of things from 1619 Project, and no serious academic, as far as I know, is taking any of this stuff as fact. Well, now there's some audio leaking out. This is Nicole Hannah-Jones back in 2019 uh, talking about Cuba and socialism, and I'm gonna link it to what's happening, of course, in Cuba right now, and then to some of our wonderful progressive socialist politicians of the day. Take a listen to this. Is there, are there candidates right now, or even just places that you think have a viable and sufficiently um, ambitious integration agenda? And if so, what what is it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that laughs at a lot right there. Yeah. I mean, one, let me just, um, I, I'm definitely not an expert on uh, race relations internationally. Um, and it's also hard to look at countries that didn't have, you know, large institutions of slavery and compare them to the United States. The answer is probably going to be surprising uh, that I'm going to give, which is if you want to see the most equal uh, multiracial, uh, it's not a democracy, <laughs> most equal multiracial country in our hemisphere, it would be Cuba. Cuba has the least inequality between black and white people of uh, uh, any place really in the hemisphere that's, uh, I mean, the Caribbean, most of the Caribbean, it's, it's hard to count because the white population in a lot of those countries is very, very small. They're countries run by black folks, but in places that are truly um, at least biracial countries, Cuba actually has the least inequality. And that's largely due to socialism, which I'm sure no one wants to hear. Cuba has the least inequality and that's largely due to socialism, which nobody wants to hear. Okay, so she's basically telling you, this is two years ago now, she's telling you that she's a socialist. She almost accidentally calls Cuba a democracy. She stops that and her evil cackle right at the beginning is something. And also the way these, I don't know if that was an NPR guy or it's a National Post thing or something, but the way these interviews, the way they talk, do you think that socialism is bad? And like, what's up with Cuba? And like, can you tell me more about that stuff? Like, what's wrong with these people? Can someone explain to me what, what happens? I don't know if it is that you, it's the soy, you're like ingesting so much soy, and next thing you know, you're talking like this, and you're like, what's going on? And I can't really like think, and like, I'm a socialist. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so she basically admits she's a socialist there. What was interesting is she talks about Cuba having the least inequality between black and white people, so that's good. But what she's not telling you, of course, is that in a socialist society, the most inequality is between the ruling class, the ruling class of Cuba right now, which is doing pretty good, and the people, the people that are out on the street who are begging for freedom, right, and who are running around with American flags. They've got nothing. 
and the ruling elite have everything. That is what always happens in a socialist society. But she likes that. They actually like that inequality because these, these socialists, these Marxists that we have now, they're for power and she knows she's gonna be in the ruling elite class. So they're trying to destroy our system. They're trying to destroy our democracy and the capitalist system. And I'll get to this in just a sec. They're trying to destroy because they know they will be at the top of the food chain. So when they're pushing socialism, they're, push, they're pushing socialism for thee, not for me, which is what all these giant corporations are doing, right? Like all these corporations that have gone woke, they wanna still profit off every damn thing there is, trust me. I just went to Disneyland, is it Disneyland or Disney World here in uh, Disneyland? Yeah, went to Disneyland and it's like Disneyland here in, in Anaheim in California. I've been to the other one, I've been to Disney World in Florida. But Disneyland, it's like, they go woke as woke, but you know, if you go to Disneyland, pretty much all they want is your money, right? They want your money. They wanna sell you a bunch of plastic bullshit for your kids that they know they're never gonna use ever again while they're selling you $12 sodas to make you fat and everything else. So these people are capitalists in their private life. What are they, what is it, capitalists in, in the bed? What is it in the bed and the sheets and the something? You know what I'm talking about. Something in the sheets and the bed and the, yeah, the point is they're fucking all of us. That's the point. All right. So I bring this now to AOC because this Wonder Woman of, of intellect, uh, she got into it with Sean Spicer. Actually, I'll be on Sean Spicer's show on Newsmax uh, later this afternoon. I'm pretty sure we're gonna talk about just this. Well, AOC is now selling a whole bunch of merchandise and she's using the tools of capitalism to sell merchandise. So Sean Spicer took note of that and, and he tweeted this. What was, the, what was the line there? He said that AOC is using capitalism to push socialism. And of course that is true. She is selling products in our capitalist society while all day long she push it, pushes socialism. That's exactly what she's doing. Well, she responded and she said, not sure if you know this, Sean, but transactions aren't capitalism. Capitalism is a system that prioritizes profit at all, at any and all human slash environmental cost. But for what it's worth, our shop is unionized, doesn't operate for profit, and funds proje projects like free tutoring, free programs, and local organizing. Okay, so first off, AOC, you simply don't know what capitalism is. Capitalism doesn't prioritize cost and profit at all expense. Capitalism maximizes freedom. It maximizes human choice and competition. So not only do the best products bubble up and the best human innovation bubble up, but the best businesses bubble up. And part of that is treating your people well. I mean, I talk about this all the time. I don't treat the guys that are sitting in this room well uh, just out of the goodness of my heart, although I'm a pretty decent guy, that capitalism allows me to make decisions as a businessman to go, oh, I want to treat my employees well, they'll work harder, that'll make a better product, more people will watch, we'll make more money, good for me, good for the company, good for the wider world, I hope. Capitalism has freed more people from this, the chains of servitude that socialism and communism and Marxism have brought. So she's using the tools of capitalism. And then what she's saying, which is hilarious, is she's saying we don't operate for profit. Well, I'd like to find out where the profit ends up going. Uh, and it funds projects like free tutoring, food programs, and local organizing. Well, all right, AOC. Well, then I guess the government doesn't have to do everything. Woohoo! Bernie's brain is about to freaking explode. Are you saying, AOC, you can sell stuff 
using the capitalist system, and then you can take the money from that stuff and do what you want with it, like tutor kids and food programs and local organizing, the stuff that you want to do with it. Boy, what kind of system gives you the freedom to do all that, where people can take their own hard-earned money, buy stuff from you, then you can use the money to fund programs you like. You know which system? Help me here. Can one of you guys help me with this one? Capitalism, but you, they both said it at the same time. Geniuses. You know what? You guys can have guacamole on the Chipotle today. There you go, because that's what I'm all about, rewarding good work, okay? That's what we do around here. Anyway, AOC is just an absolutely ridiculous person. Uh, I did uh, tweet at AOC. I feel like I nailed this one. I don't show you my tweets that often, but I felt like I nailed this one. I retweeted her and I said, capitalism is about choice and competition, you dullard, good word. Many companies are ethical and generous, my own businesses included, but glad you finally came out against the economic system America is based on. Now do the Constitution and you will have fulfilled your destiny. And that links us to the story that I just covered about Nicole Hannah-Jones and the 1619 Project and everything else. As they undermine capitalism, as they undermine the free market and our ability to, to use our money to buy things so that the people we buy things from can use their money to do whatever they want, which is exactly what you're doing right here, AOC. As they undermine all that, that's not what this is really about in terms of just undermining our economic system. It's undermining the entire thing. Because if you think once they undermined all the economic system that any of the rest of our government, our three branches of government, and any of the rest of the way of life that we've all come to love is going to stand. Well, no, they're, they're hacking away at the foundation right now. They're just hacking at it, hacking at it, hacking at it. And by the way, that's why they love lockdowns too. I can actually link all of the stories that we did today into one one little uh, conspiratorial bubble, if you will, which is that they are hacking away at everything. They love lockdowns because lockdowns, in their minds, further prove that capitalism doesn't work, right? And then we're gonna have to give people UBI. We can't send them to work and they don't like their jobs in the first place and you don't pay them enough. And now they're all stuck at home because there's a scary disease outside. So let's give them all universal basic income and they'll have just enough to survive and everything else. It's like they're hacking away at everything. If we are a house on a beach with some poles, they're hacking away at those poles and at some point the whole house is gonna come crashing down. I have nothing better to do than save the world and that's what I intend on doing and I'm gonna fight these people every step of the way. Speaking of people that are fighting these people every step of the way, uh, my friend and, and one of the key guys in my red pilling adventure, Larry Elder, is running for governor of California. As you may have seen, we posted part one yesterday. Uh, Larry was actually left off the role of the 41 candidates that they are putting on to run against Gavin Newsom on an absolutely ridiculous technicality related to his social security number and some redactions. He is fighting it in court. He should have an answer as early as tomorrow. Uh, I believe that Larry Elder has all the right answers. Um, he, I think the interview is just fantastic. So the first part where we talk about the, the legal battle that he's in just to get on the ballot, we put that up yesterday. Um, we did that just on a phone because we just wanted to get it out as soon as possible. Uh, but part one 
in essence, it's part two, I suppose, of our interview is up right now. And of course, the full thing is already up at rubenreport.locals.com. Oh, and by the way, I am going to Freedom Fest for the next three days. So tomorrow, which is Wednesday, we are doing our, what is normally our Thursday Q&A, but I'm taping it today. Did you get all that? Today, Tuesday, I'm taping our Thursday Q&A for Wednesday. So if you wanna submit questions, go right now to rubenreport.locals.com. And then we're not gonna have shows on Thursday or Friday, but I will be at Freedom Fest, and I know a bunch of you guys are gonna be there, and maybe I'll do some stuff off my phone, and I know that Ayan Hirsi Ali is gonna be there, and Michael Shermer is gonna be there, and I'm sure a bunch of other good people, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, anyway, keep fighting, guys, right? I got nothing better to do than save the world. See you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.